0: Well, hey, this is Joey Ferjanek, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Let's get into God's word. You ready to hear God's word today? Okay. Well, we're in a series called It's Gonna Take all of us, and we're studying the book of Haggai. And first week, uh, we talked about God's priorities. Last week, we talked about getting to work. Uh, and this week, uh, before I give you the title, I was, I, I was thinking about, because um, Christmas is coming, and my son keeps asking us to play Christmas music. And I'm like, it's October, man. Uh, but it reminded me of this awful flight we took one Christmas. And this is a little life hack. Let me help you for a second. If you're going to travel uh, around the holiday, we like to travel actually on the day, on Christmas Day, because it's cheaper to fly on days like that. So there you go. You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, so I thought, man, we'll fly on Christmas Day. It'll be cheaper. We're, We're going to Florida to see my parents. And the weather Christmas night was so bad. Okay, Uh, We're waiting kind of in the airport to to get on, kind of in our gate, and the pilot who's flying our plane, he walks out into the gate, never seen this before, he gets on the intercom and he says, hey, I just wanna let everybody know, this is the pilot, "Um, it's going to be a miserable flight. (laughs) And I said, is this happening right now? Is this a movie? It's going to be a miserable flight. And, uh, and he, he says, so if you have to go to the bathroom, in fact, I want everybody to go to the bathroom right now because you will not be getting up the entire flight. I said, I'm not going. I don't want to go. I don't care. Like, like Mickey has stolen enough from me. I don't need to go to Florida. You know, it's like... And so I, so anyway, I'm like, whatever. I go to the bathroom and the pilot's in there and like, we're kind of next to each other. I'm like, hey man, we really got to go up there tonight, huh? And he's like, well, I'm kind of going to the bathroom. Maybe let's talk about this on the airplane. I was like, well, I got kids, man. You know, like I was, I was a little nervous, you know? And I mean, it was, the weather was so bad. We're on the runway and we are moving like this before we even take off. And he says something to me. He said something to me and he said it over the intercom. He said to me personally, he said, I will be with you the whole way. I was like, well, great. Like, what do you mean? You're not gonna jump out? (laughs) He's like, no, I will talk to you. I will be with you the whole flight because I understand that this is gonna make people nervous. I would not go up there if I thought it was dangerous. I have children too. I said, amen. And so the whole flight, and by the way, the flight took almost 45 minutes longer because they're going around the whole flight, literally. I mean, I've never experienced anything like this, but every 10 minutes he would come on. Hey, everything's okay. It's going to take a little longer. We're going to be all right. We're going to get you there. It's just weather. You can see out your, you know, your window that it's lighting. We're going to be fine. He kept talking to us the whole flight. And at the end of the flight, I was like, thank you. You're my pilot forever, you know? (laughs) He's like, I'm with you. And... I love that in our journey with Jesus and as a collective body, we have God's prompts and God's voice that no matter how intense the storm is, God is always with us and he's not silent. He is not silent. And some of us, listen to me, some of us think, okay, that's just rhetoric. That's just the Bible saying stuff. That's just a preacher saying stuff. But man, if you've ever been in relationship with God, if you've ever been connected in and deep-rooted in a community of believers, you know when the storms come, you will hear God's encouragement reminding you, I am with you. When you're doing my will, I'm with you. When you're running from me, I'm with you saying, come on home. I'm with you. And I wanna preach a message today from Haggai 1, verses 12 through 15. I wanna title it simply, and this is not a Christmas message, God is with us. I want you to look at somebody at every location and I want you to encourage them and say, God is with you. Come on, tell them loud and proud. God is with you. God loves to be in partnership with us. And the book of Haggai, in a lot of ways, It's God speaking to his people. And as believers and as a church, there's the local church and then there's the global church. We're all part of a greater family, but then we're part of a smaller local family. And this word from Haggai to God's people, the way that we translate it, the way that it makes sense for us is that the way that Haggai would be communicating from God's voice and God's word to the people, God would be doing and saying the same thing to a local body today. He's giving us an assignment, a responsibility to build his house, to build his kingdom in the very place that God has called you or placed you. Some people don't believe that God has called you even though God has placed you. Some of you, even as you hear my voice, you're like, well, I'm passing through Philadelphia or I'm in a transition season. Just because you're in a transition season doesn't mean that God hasn't called you. If God has placed you, God has called you to make a difference where he's placed you. I should hear some more amens to that. It is not, it's never a wasted season. It's never wasted time. If God's called you to that office place, if God's called you to that college, if God's called you to that work, if that's God's called you to that wherever it is, if he's, excuse me, if he's placed you in those places, then there's a calling for you in those places. And as a church community, we make a difference together and separate, but we're always together even when we're separate because we have a mission. And God's speaking to these people. And over the last couple of weeks, God's been saying to the people and saying to us, hey, your priority's got to be building God's house. If you build my house, I will take care of your house. God also encouraging the people, okay, get to work. You built all your fancy homes. You took care of yourself. My house lays in ruins. Like, come on, let's go. Let's get to work. We got stuff to do. But today the people begin to accept and take responsibility that building God's house is important. And you're gonna see today that God is saying, when you say yes to me, you will evidently feel that I am with you and I got your back. I love that. And so we're gonna pick up Haggai chapter one, verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak. You're welcome. You can clap for me. (laughs) The high priest. And the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord, their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. So two things to notice here, actually three, actually right off the bat, is God is speaking to the leaders first, the people obey, and then the people fear the Lord. Let's break that down for a second. The governor of Judah and the high priest are addressed first before the remnant, before the rest of the people. Obedience to God's voice and God's word, it must always begin with leadership. This wasn't just a sermon correction or prophetic word just for the people. It was also a word for the highest leaders among God's people. This is important for you to understand because similarly okay, as you are God's people, but there are also leaders in this body. And when God wants to do something among a people, when God wants to do something in a city, when God wants to do something in a region, when God wants to do something in your home, when God wants to do something in your family, in your workplace, there's always a leader that rises up and takes the reins. And I think this is important because I want you to know something Just like biblically, I expect here at the Block Church, our leaders to go first. Why? Because God expects that as well. And when I say our leaders to go first, it means it starts with me. I've gotta be the first to sacrifice. I gotta be the first to pray and bleed and sweat and live out this mission or I could never expect you to do the same. I expect our elders, our staff, our directors, our coordinators, I expect our leaders to sacrifice the most and first, to bleed sweat and cry for the work they lead first and most. It's not that God doesn't expect the whole community. Listen to me. It's not that God doesn't expect the whole community to do and be those things and embody a mission. It's just that God expects leaders to go first. And I'm telling you this because there might be a day in your life where you're not in this house and you might get sent to another place and you've got to find a church or you're looking for a job and or, 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 or you're looking for a spouse or a mate. I want to make this re- relevant uh, for you that when you are looking for leadership or you're going to be under leadership, you better make sure that leadership in your life always goes first. And if you want to be a leader, then you better... Sure as heck, be ready to go first and sacrifice first. When leaders don't go first, we position ourselves as bad politicians, where we make rules for everybody else, but we don't expect to follow those things. When leaders don't go first, we lose our authenticity, and you end up in churches and environments and companies and even homes where it's inauthentic, where the leaders don't embody the very mission they're declaring and demanding others to follow. When leaders don't go first, we aren't worth trusting or following. Here's the way the church should work, by the way, especially if you're new to church, which again, we've had a lot of that over the last season. And so I just wanna remind you of this. I am the lead pastor and I am listening to the Lord along with our prayer warriors and our intercessors. And there, it is most valuable when I have in my time and in my schedule, even a whole day of the week that I devote to prayer. As for the unique direction of the house, I wanna hear from God, I wanna pray. Elders exist to make sure we follow biblical guidelines and bring pastoral support to our staff. Our staff, is then executing the vision and the values. And if they aren't or don't, then they don't belong on staff at the church. Because this is how you get church splits and this is how you get drama when there's competing visions and when people are trying to do stuff for themselves, not for the mission or for God. The people, that's you, did you know that the Bible would refer to you as saints? I know that some of us come from certain religious constructs where there are certain saints that are more revered, if you will, Mary or Mother Teresa, or I don't know, Paul, Joseph. I, okay, I keep going, right? Well, but, but, but while it is important and necessary to honor to honor saints and those who are church fathers and those who have gone before us, just like we honor grandparents and mother, that is valuable, okay? But you need to understand something, believer, who hears my voice. You are also a saint in Christ Jesus. And Paul writes about the responsibility of the church and the people in the church i want to give you your responsibility and a reminder today as to your responsibility if you call yourself a believer the bible says that it's the church leaders who exist to equip the saints which is you Ephesians 4:12 for the work of the church So it's not good when the pastor and even the staff or the elders are doing everything. That's an unhealthy leadership construct and it's not a biblical mandate. It's not supposed to be that way. The people are supposed to be doing you, us together, doing the work, leading the teams, leading groups, inviting... Everybody play it's going to take all of us to build a healthy church that reaches a city for Jesus. And the thing is, is sometimes what churches do, especially as churches get older or get more wealthy or gain more money, is churches naturally just throw money at things that are just volunteer issues. And what that does is sometimes they create staff roles and that should happen as a last resort. We should have more money available for ministry and for missions. But what happens in a lot of churches is people don't wanna get involved and do the work of the church because they don't wanna accept their sainthood. All that's somebody else. When I watch Eagles games, I curse. Surely I can't be a saint. You, not me. When I'm correcting my children, I grit my teeth. I get angry. I elevate my voice. Surely I can't be a saint. That's for somebody else. Again, you, not me. I argue with my spouse. How can I be a saint? You know, we go through all these different excuses where it's like, I'm a nobody around here. No, the problem is, is you see yourself as a nobody. But here's what I know. God takes nobodies, makes them somebodies, all because of what Jesus has done. Everybody matters. Everybody is valuable. Everybody is important. Everybody's supposed to play a part from children, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college age, adults, young adults, and prime timers. Don't know how to say that nicely or politically correct. Those who are in the best season of their life, come on somebody everybody matters. And if you say that I'm a follower of Jesus, then you're a saint. And my job is to equip you to do the work of the church. But leaders have to go first. What does this have to do with God being with us? Well, God always has our back when we do what he asks us to do. may not look like we think or what we want, but he's got our back. Nobody is meant to sit idly by and do nothing and contribute nothing, but it starts with leaders. A long time ago, this is early on, this is really funny to me. Uh, A long time ago, I was standing outside at our Port Richmond location when we were at Richmond Hall. And I was sitting out there, I was just chatting, getting ready for church. We probably had one, maybe two services at the time. And somebody runs up and it was so angry. They were so mad. And they're like, all you churches do is steal money. And, and, you know, you you get, pastors get rich. Mind you, at the time, I could barely pay my mortgage. (laughs) And they're like, and you pastor, you own the majority of shares in this church. And I was like, at that point, like at first I was like frustrated. And then when they said that, I just started to chuckle because I'm like, well, we're a nonprofit and nobody owns any shares. There's no equity. There's no distribution. Like we're not a public company and we're not in the stock market. And it was funny because I think sometimes people don't really understand how the church works. It's like, I, like, there's, no, like I, there's no like board meeting where we're all like distributing like assets, Okay. Like we're just regular people managing God's resources that the saints and others feel called to respond to God and be obedient with so that we can build God's house. But it starts with us. I expect, listen to me, I expect every one of our staff, every one of our elders, starting with me, not only do we give 10%, which is our first fruits, which is our tithes, believe that that's God's, I believe that that's God's. It's not giving, it's just returning. Uh, we do that, my family and I do that, but we don't just do that. We, we give above and beyond more than that because how could I ever expect you to give and to build God's house if I'm not sacrificing myself? I would never be afraid, ever be afraid of any of our life generosity or our giving to ever get leaked or go anywhere. It's not anybody's business, but if it did, you would see I'm leading the way. I want to lead the way in my sacrificial generosity because I'm the leader. I got to go first. I want to encourage some people. There, there's actually these cards on seats, by the way. There's these cards on seats. You could grab these. They're, they're really great. It calls take a, take a generous step. Just explain some things. There's just some different steps that you can take. I'd love for you to observe this. It's really cool. It says give to your local church, sign up for recurring giving, begin tithing, give above and beyond, do th- something for someone financially in a radical way. I love this. I'd love it if, again, you're new around here and you've never taken a, a giving step. I would love for you to consider doing that and know that we're not asking you to do something we as leaders are not doing ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you with this. Um, And honestly, if you've never tithed before, I want to make a commitment to you and you decide to do it. We are in very odd economic times, okay? I think it's the best time to be generous because I believe God is with us and he always has our back. And if you've never tithed, given 10% before, I want to encourage you to do it for 90 days. If God does not take care of you miraculously, we'll give you your money back. That's how much I believe in that in Jesus' name. Okay, moving on, moving on. A keynote in verse 12 that the scripture is now saying is their God, T-H-E-I-R, okay? I'm a linguist, I know. (laughs) Whereas before, do you remember in verse two, God was saying the people versus my people? Remember that? where God was frustrated because they were not prioritizing him. Well, here it shifts where he's saying, they're God. We've moved from the people in a sense back to my people a few verses later. Why is that? God was making a point. The writer is making a point. These people were not prioritizing God, but now that they're saying yes to him and they're being obedient to him, what God is doing now is he's saying, I am willing to put a mark on their life, put my favor over them. I'm willing to say they are my people because they are responding to me. There's a shift taking place and the people are listening and now God's favor is about to be poured out over their individual lives. Friends, there is a correlation between you listening and God's favor on your life. If you want God's favor, if you want God's radical increase, if you want God to be the way maker in your life, you've got to listen to him. I think a lot of us just expect things to just happen, but we're not listening to the pilot. And we live freaked out, insecure, neurotic, emotional. And God's going, I'm with you. I got you. Trust me. Just listen. Stop looking out the window. (laughs) You know, it's like, like, say, I'm with you. I want to pour out my blood. I want to pour out my favor. Like, are you, are you listening? And I'm always speaking. I speak through my people. I speak through the preacher. I speak through my word. I speak through your quiet time. I will speak to you while you're worshiping. Like, like just listen. I love you. I got you. I'm with you. They're, they're obedient. So God's about to pour out his favor on them. And the Bible says this, that they feared the Lord. Proverbs nine ten says it like this. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. This is so important. When people fear the Lord, when people trust the Lord, they end up making better decisions. I'll give you fear in a sentence here, the proper fear. I fear God, here's some people, I fear God because I don't understand his love. And so I'm afraid, but not in a healthy, all reverent way. I'm just afraid. I don't understand. Or there's others that I fear God because I do understand his love. He created principles, life, and love to protect me, bless me, and give me purpose. That's where I want you to be. Sin creates consequences. Obedience results in blessings, favor and increase. I fear the Lord because he is God and I am not. Many folks don't fear the Lord because they don't understand him or they wanna be their own God. And then they don't make sound decisions, get themselves in trouble and are afraid instead of being reverent. I would encourage you to take on a posture of, I fear the Lord in a form of respect, honor, and all. He's God. He created me. I need to respect that. And God created principles for living in life that produce his favor and his blessing. The fear of God prompts obedience and there's nothing wrong with that. When it comes to whatever it is, you name it, my finances, when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to my decisions, my jobs, all of it, I fear the Lord for three reasons. Number one, my life, my resources, my body, all of it, it's all his. It's either his or it's yours. It's not really yours. And when you use it all as yours, you end up getting in trouble. And so it's all his. Second, I fear the Lord because I wanna see the kingdom come on earth. Some of you own businesses or, or, or you're trying, you got a side hustle. And it's like, is your business God's or is it yours? Are you there to make money or are you there to make the kingdom? Because some of you have a ministry wherever you are. Maybe you're a barber, whatever it is. You have a ministry And you don't even realize it. You are not there to take up space. You are called to be there to make a difference. (laughs) I have sat with people in some of your businesses, wherever it is, and I, I get so encouraged. Sometimes I feel like you ministered to me. And I'm like, you are doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're the church distributed. We're together, but we're separate. I fear the Lord because it's all his and I love him and I wanna see the kingdom come on earth. And then I, number three, I trust that his principles produce the best of my potential. God demands justice. And so God is not a man that he should lie. And when you obey him and fear him, at some point, his word will not come back empty and the favor of God for your life will begin to flow in Jesus' name. Can we give God an amen for that? And friends, for many people, it starts with their finances because where your treasure is, your heart is there also, but it can be anywhere in your life. Some of you need to trust God in your sexual purity. Some of you need to trust God in your love and your forgiveness of your church so we need to trust God and stop lying and stop exaggerating. So we need to trust God and stop fighting and hurting others. You go down the gamut. At the end of the day, are the people that you're enemies with, are they God's too? You got to answer that question. So you got to give God everything. He'll be with you. He does the justice. And sometimes, listen to me, you got to hear this. This is hard. But sometimes we don't see the justice of God until we get to eternity. Life is short, life is short. Eternity is forever. What are you living for? Your best life now or your best life in eternity? Verse 13, this is the whole crux of it all. That Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. See, God will always be there to encourage you and strengthen you for his work he's called you to. I really want you to walk into your purpose this week when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you go. I want you to walk in like, man, like God's favor is on me. I'm called to be here. I'm supposed to be here. Like I'm, I'm meant for this. I know it's difficult. I know they're overlooking me, but like God's put me here on purpose. Like God is with me. He wants to use me. This is a timeless truth throughout scripture. Moses and the Israelites passing through the Red Sea without a guarantee, but God was with them. Abraham willing to sacrifice his son without a sacrifice. You'll have descendants as far as the eye can see. Okay, God, I trust you. I'm with you. And God credits him as a friend of God. You go through the gamut. David facing Goliath. Joshua marching around Jericho. Prophets declaring the word of the Lord. Daniel and his friends not bowing down. Peter and the apostles sharing Christ even though it could result in death. Paul and his conversion. Jesus going to the cross. Here's the thing. Where's your name on that list? That's the question, friend. God was with all of them. And God, and they got, God got the glory through their life. And what I'm asking you is your name, what I'm telling you is your name can be on this list. Because God's with you. But it, 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 it takes us fearing the Lord, trusting the Lord, loving the Lord, believing that God doesn't make mistakes. He's placed you because he's called you. All right, I got to close. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. And the enthusiasm of Joshua, son of Jehoshaddak, the high priest started with the leaders and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. On September 21 of the second year of King Darius's reign. Which, by the way, I think is so fascinating because our church was birthed on September 21, 2014. Isn't that so funny? But here's the thing. We long for such a stirring of the Spirit among His people. We we long for revival. But the stirring begins with our leaders. And then it extends to the people. And I just want to say this. Listen to me, look at me. If you are a leader at the Block Church, you hold any form of people leadership. First of all, I want to say thank you. Second of all, I want to say I love you and this can't happen without you. And lastly, we need you to stay encouraged and inspired because as high as you go in your hunger for God, the rest of the church will go. And that's why I know I gotta lead the way in my fasting. I gotta lead the way in my enthusiasm. Sometimes I don't get it right, but I'm I'm, I'm back up here today, taking another swing at the devil, asking you to fight with me. And I was so encouraged the other week, and I'm closing, but I was so encouraged with the other week. We had a worship team member in the Northeast who they were due up to play. And they walked out of their house to their car have been stolen and that would have been an easy excuse to be like ah, i'm not making it to church today put the part in the track god bless you but their enthusiasm and stirring for what god is doing in their family and for what god's doing in this house and for what god has called us that we'll get to ch- we're not missing church our family's not missing church today come cars go justice will be god's somehow we'll get it back and so they came and played and god got the glory like that's the kind of enthusiasm for the kingdom of god and for god and for his love that like god restore that in me today so i can build your house don't golf clap that In Jesus' name, I pray for that over you today. I pray for that over our church and enthusiasm for the Lord, for his kingdom. No matter the storms, the pilot is saying, hey, I got you. I'm with you. I'm covering you. You're not gonna die. You're not gonna crash. We're gonna get to where we're supposed to go. Where I've placed you, I've called you. Thank you to all of you. Now, let me speak to all of you. Thank you to all of you, wherever you go. School teacher, thank you business owner, thank you. Football coach, thank you. Baseball coach, thank you. Elder, thank you. Single mom, thank you. Whatever else there is, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I want you to acknowledge my placement equals my calling. And God's with me. And I'm meant for this born for this. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again and God bless you.